Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? Hey, it's great to have you guys with us. I want to welcome those who are joining us uh, online as well. We're starting a brand new series, as Pastor Keith said, called Church Hurt. And we're going to look over the next several weeks about church hurt. Today, I want to talk to you about the first church hurt ever. And if you were with us online or you were with us physically in person last week, you kind of got a teaser video about who is this person. Well, that person is Jesus, who experienced the first church hurt ever. And so turning your copy of God's Word to Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Matthew 4, 23. Well, one thing that I learned as I got into doing strength training and doing things like that was that I started getting injured and hurt. And I was like, wow, what is this? Because as you lift heavier weights, that happens. Then I learned from some of these top coaches that that's just a part of it. I'm older, right? I'm, I'm, I'm over 40. And I'm, you know, so you're going to have injuries. And they said, they said that's part of the collateral damage of doing strength training. It's just you're going to have nagging injuries that happen from time to time. That's just part of it. Well, I want to talk to you today about collateral damage in the form of relationships. Because anytime you're in relationship with anyone or a group, you're going to have injuries and you're going to get hurt some way, shape, or form. And even Jesus himself faced collateral damage from doing ministry and uh, going to the cross and going to help people uh, there. And so if you have your Bibles, again, turn to Matthew 4, because in Matthew 4, it's very important what's happening here. Jesus has just called his first disciples to come follow him. They join the team and they come with him. And then Matthew, one of his closest followers, hasn't started following Jesus yet, but he records what happens when Jesus and his followers go out to do ministry. Don't you look at this in Matthew chapter 4. It says, Jesus traveled through the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Watch this now. He healed every kind of disease and illness. That sounds pretty awesome, right? He was helping people who were hurting. Well, if you, again, have your Bible, turn to Matthew 9, because Matthew records something very similar. It's like he cut and pasted it. But in Matthew 9, what happens is this. He's, Matthew is now following Jesus. So in Matthew 9, he calls Matthew the tax collector, who was someone who was hated by people. Jesus says, come follow me. And then look what Matthew gets to experience with Jesus firsthand. It says in Matthew 9, 35, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. That's the gospel. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Jesus came to help people. He healed people. People who had leprosy, who could not be in community anymore. They couldn't eat with their families. They were cast out could not be a part of that. Now they were able to be a part of groups and communities and go to synagogue again with their Jewish brothers and sisters. People who were deaf and mute. People who were blind. People who had illnesses and diseases. They didn't have health care like we have today. Well, Jesus would come and help them with something they could never, ever have help from anywhere else. No hope at all. But the end of Jesus' ministry doesn't end with them all lifting him up in a you know, triumphal way, saying, man, you're awesome. It ends with crucifixion. And Jesus, who believed the most in the local church and believed the most in church, he told his disciples that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That's believers gathered together anywhere, shape, or form. He said, man, Satan can't stop it. He believed in it. But the very people he helped end up hurting him. 
And I want you to realize that in, in our lives too, that anytime we get in relationships with people, whether it's a family, whether it's a relationship, friendship, church, because all church is, is just relationships, right? People say the church. The church is people. That's all it is. Yeah, they have different brands and different things like that, names on the buildings, but that's all it is, is people in relationship. And anytime you get people in relationship, guess what? You have the chance to get hurt. And I want to talk to you about that today because here's what you need to know. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're thinking about becoming a follower of Jesus, and you want to serve Jesus and give your life to Jesus and do life together with other believers, here's what you have to understand. Building his church means you may be broken by people. Jesus knew that going into it. And you have to understand that. That anytime you get around imperfect people and you're around people in, at any stage of the faith, that's what's going to happen. But if you want to build his church, if you want to be on the front lines and see God use your life, it means you may be broken by people. It's just going to happen. And that's what happened to Jesus. I say this all the time that we have to understand we have a Savior who can identify with our hurt. That He knows, as we said last week, the pain of rejection that you feel. He's felt that. Being broken by people and hurt by people, being disappointed and let down by people, Jesus, He, he knows that. He can identify with you with that. But you have to understand that if you're going to embark on this journey, you may be hurt by people when you try to help people. Our first responders know that. That's why, you know, today we're, we're honoring hometown heroes and healthcare and education and, and, and police and fire. We're just honoring those guys. And we're tomorrow going to drop off baked goods to them and different things for them. Uh, my wife faced this, you know, during the pandemic. Uh, and there's all these different, you know, theories and things out there. And they're just a, you know, kind of healthcare workers kind of got attacked. And they're just people in the front lines. She was on the front lines having to intubate people and help them with ventilators when they came in with COVID. And so she's putting myself and our, our, our child at risk by helping people in the front lines. And what hurt most wasn't that. What hurts the most was seeing people who would trash healthcare workers on social media, but then be the very ones carted in begging for help and begging for them to do something for their loved one who then was trashing on social media, right? And it, it hurt. See, anytime you want to help people in your relationships with people, you're going to face hurt some way, shape, or form. And that's what happened to Jesus, Remember last week I showed you John chapter 1, verse 10, which is a very, very deep theological verse, but also shows you the pain that Jesus felt. So in John 1, 10, it says this. It says, he came, the apostle John wrote this, he came into the very world he created. If you believe Jesus is just a good guy, he was going to say he's on the same level as Muhammad and Buddha and all that, he's not. John is saying the very world he created. For all things were created by him and through him. There's nothing created that wasn't created through him, it says in Colossians. So the very world he created, Jesus comes to it, but the world didn't recognize him. It's kind of like an undercover boss, right? You come to the very place that, that, that you kind of run and lead. And then verse 11 says this, he came to his own people, the Jews, and even they rejected him. Now, what did that rejection look like? What was it? And Luke records this. Luke was a doctor who went into great research to find out what happened. What, what is the story of Jesus so he could share it? And he shares this in Luke 23, 18. This is so important. He says that a mighty roar rose from the crowd and with one voice, one voice, they shouted, kill him and release Barabbas to us. One voice. It's like being in the football games. 
Like I, I watched my beloved NC State Wolfpack win last night, ugly but we won. And we have certain chants we do, right? And could you imagine? That's the chant that was going on. That they, they said, kill him and release Barabbas to us. Kill him and release Barabbas to us. At that point, Jesus had been beaten. And the Roman leaders bring him out, and they say, you want to release Barabbas, who we know is a killer and a thief, and he's terrible, or do you want Jesus? And Jesus, bloodied and beaten, crown of thorns on his head and a robe. They were mocking him. They say, who do you want released? And could you imagine Jesus standing there, hearing the chants, and he looks up, his eyes bloodied. And as he looks through, he sees the person he healed that was mute couldn't speak. He healed him two years earlier. And with sadness, he looks, and he sees the very person he healed of being mute, now with one voice shouting, kill him and release Barabbas to us. Could you imagine the ones with leprosy who are not allowed in community, who are not allowed to go worship at synagogue with other uh, you know, Jewish brothers and sisters, and he looks up, and he sees that person out there in community, now shouting, kill him and release Barabbas to us. He healed so many. He did so much good for so many people. Now the very ones he helped are the very ones who are now shouting, crucify him. Could you imagine the sadness and despair that Jesus felt when he saw that? Because Jesus understood this though. Building his father's church means he may be broken by people, and he was. And you and I have to understand that too. But here's what happens to us when we're broken by people. And you know this. If you've ever faced disappointment, has anybody ever let you down before? So yeah, that's everybody. Has anybody ever just not met the expectation you thought they would meet? Yeah, that's everybody. And something happens with that. And the greater that expectation and reality, the greater the gap between those, the greater the wound. And here's what happens. Being broken by people means the wounding of our soul. If you have great expectation of something and then the reality is down here, that gap is your wound and it wounds your soul. You have a soul, you have emotions, a mind, will, and intellect. And, and every time you have the disappointment, the betrayal, the lies, the act, whatever it is, it's like a, sl- a little slit, a little slice into your soul. And over time, over years, the more wounds you have, the greater damage you have. And you get wounded, and it affects you. You know, for, for me, um, I've seen this happen in ministry. I, I have the opportunity, that I've shared before, and you guys know this, is to actually be a pastor to pastors. And when I was in college, there were so many of us that had this dream for ministry. Like, what we're getting to do right now at Thrive, like, I just, again, it's, oh, I love it. Every week, it's just, I just love doing what we're doing had this dream. We prayed. We would meet at chapel. We'd fast and pray together. Me and these, all these other, uh, you know, young men and women who had dreams to be missionaries and pastors and church planners. There were people who won the preaching award. No, it wasn't me. I, I, I know you're shocked. I'm still a little bitter by it. Um, I want another go at it to see if I can do it. People who are on campus leadership teams, and today they're not in ministry anymore. They're not pastoring anymore. They've left the church. Some never want to be around church ever again due to the expectation they had when they got there, they got hurt by people. They got broken by people. The wounds got deeper and deeper and deeper. 
And here's what happened to them, and here's what can happen to us. I want to encourage you here to, to not go down this path, is that we often let Satan use the process of being broken, watch this, to stop us from building. We, we often let Satan use the process of being broken by people, being hurt, the, the disappointments, the betrayals, the expectations not met, to stop us from building. And that's what the enemy of our souls wants to do. That's what I saw so many in ministry do. And for me, can I tell you, that's my story as well. 2014 and 15 were some of my darkest, toughest years in life in ministry. I, my mom died in 2012 when we launched this campus. I was driving back and forth and, you know, spending time with her in hospice. And then in 13, my grandmother died. And, and of course, she was older, but it was our last, my last grandma. And then in 15, my dad, uh, 14, my dad died. I faced a lot, a lot of loss. But not only that, our church began to grow rapidly. We launched a campus across the river. And the people who had first joined with us, like they had signed, well, we were a church of 30 or 40 people. Like we have more serving at the early service than we did people that were in the church when we first started. And the people who came in at 30 or 40, as we grew, they just said, hey, you know, they didn't say this, but they said, I didn't sign up for multi-site. I didn't sign up for you going to another church. That's where I go when I leave here on uh, this service. I drive to Richmond. And, and, and they ended up filtering out, and it really began to hurt me. Um, it hurt me. I was in ICU with my dad. Dad's dying. I get a guy that says, hey, I, I need you to call me right now. I text back and say, hey, man, I, I, I can't. Can, can, you know, can you call Pastor Keith? No, I can't. And I, could, I said, well, I can't call you right now. I'm, I'm with my dad in ICU. There was no, I'm sorry. I understand. They said, well, just don't worry about it. We're leaving the church anyway. I'm sitting with my dad crying. I see you die. He's dying. And I got to a point that anger and frustration began to mount inside of me, bitterness and resentment. I was wounded, y'all, wounded, tired. I mean, we just had, took a church of 20, and now it was just growing, growing to the hundreds and multi-site and all this stuff we were doing. I was preaching four times a week. It was a lot. I got to a point, and I've shared this openly, I want to share this too for anybody that's new, that I got to a point even with my marriage, my wife saying, look, if you don't change your attitude, if you don't fix the anger inside of you, then we're not going to do, we're divorcing. I will leave you. I'm not living, I didn't sign up for this. And you may think, oh man, pastor, I'll tell you something, pastors just hide it really well. They would never share this story with you. They would smile and put pretty pictures on Instagram, their family's perfect. No, we went through that. And I got to the point where, number one, I did go to counseling, and it helped me tremendously. But I got to the point, I'll never forget, laying there on the couch, and I went to Indeed.com. You guys know what Indeed is? <laughs> and I said, I'm just tired of it. I will find something else where I can make more money, and this won't happen to me ever again. My brokenness was getting ready to stop me from building his church eight years ago. I was looking, and I was looking, and I was looking. I went to counseling, and the counselor said this. He said, you have a choice. He said, you, and he wasn't a Christian. So, like, I chose a non-Christian counselor on purpose because I know Greek. Like, I know the Bible, right? I mean, I, I know it. I know it in and out. I don't need somebody to give me Bible verses and tell me, hey, brother, just read the Bible more. Like, I, I, I wanted somebody to go in and, and, and figure this brain out, right? What's going on? And he did a tremendous job. And he said to me something that today, he said, you have reward buckets that get filled up from doing this because you feel like your God's called you to do this, right? Like you feel like your higher power. I said, yeah, I do. He said, he said well, with that is going to come collateral damage. You help people. Guess what? 
When you help people, you're going to get hurt by people. Either So if you get rid of that portion of what you're doing called ministry, and you go over here going back to the, to the corporate world you were in, you lose the reward bucket, but you don't get hurt anymore. So you've got to figure out, what are you called to? Are you willing to embrace the pain and go through it? And it changed my life. He said, because buddy, I'm going to tell you something. You're in public service. This is, this is what it is. So you ever heard the, the, the saying, if you can't stand the heat, do what? That's where it comes from, right? That's that, the whole idea. And I had to make a decision while let being broken by people stop me from building his church. And can I tell you, I'm here today. So you probably know the end of the story, right? Of what happened. But here, here's, here's what I began to understand, though. And here's what had to happen with me that has to happen with you. No matter what you've been through in life, if you've been through a pain of any relationship, and maybe this church hurt, maybe you were hurt by a local church, maybe you experienced a bad version of Christianity. Can I tell you, Jesus didn't hurt you, even though people did. If that's happened to you, here's what you have to understand. And here's what you and I have to do. Here's what I process I went through. Allow Jesus to turn your church hurt wounds into church hope scars. Allow Jesus to turn your church hurt wounds into church hope scars. And here's what I mean by that. A wound is something that's open. It's still festering. It needs to be healed. It needs to be bandages. And it needs to be time for it to get back uh, to, to where it needs to be. If you touch it, a wound, it still hurts, right? Scars, they don't hurt anymore. But it's still the memory of it. Uh, you know, my, my son was asking for a BB gun recently. I told him, no, because they're dangerous, right? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. And, uh, but seriously, like, like so, so I shared the story with him about how, like, because um, he loves to take, like, Nerf guns and pretend that there's not a, a you know, Nerf bullet in there and then shoot it at me. And he shot me with it before by accident because it was actually loaded. And I was like, bro, you got this is rule number one. So we're talking about BB guns one day. And I said, well, and I said, well, I have a scar from a BB gun. And I, I showed my, my knee there and a little, there's a little scar. He said, well, how'd you get that? Well, Number one, I was an idiot. So what I did was, <laughs> I was at my aunt and uncle's turkey farm, my cousin Adam. I was around eight or nine years old. He was around five years old. And I had this BB gun, like an M16. I thought it was really cool. And so we were out there at the turkey farm. And, and I had this, I, I love playing practical jokes. I was a very mischievous kid. So um, one of the guys named Jose who worked there, wonderful guy. I mean, he was just such, such a great guy, beautiful family. He, he worked for my aunt and uncle. He was inside one of the houses there, turkey houses. And I said, watch this. I'm going to play a joke on, on him. I'm going I'm to tell him I'm going to shoot myself. I'm going to shoot the air out. And he's going to think I'm going to try to shoot myself. And they're like, yeah, let's do that. So, so I went up and said, hey, hey. He said, hey, man. He said, he waved at us. And I shot the BB gun in the air. And, and he was looking. I said, hey, watch this. And I act like I loaded a BB in, which I didn't, you know. And I pulled the BB gun out and went, <laughs> and in slow motion, I kid you not, I see the BB come out of the, the end of the barrel. And it's like, <laughs> And I shot him. He's like, no. He's like, what are you doing? Like, like he couldn't believe. Like, he, I said, hey, watch me. I'll shoot myself. And I shot myself. And I fell down to the ground. And I'm bleeding. I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm going to get in such trouble for this. Like, that's all I could think about. I was like, I'm going to get my BB gun taken away. And I limped back to the house. And it hurts so bad. And I put, like, you know, getting pressure on it. My hands like, what happened? And, of course, I got it taken away from me. And today I still have a scar from it. Now, you laugh. And I laugh. And it's funny. I wasn't laughing when it happened, right? It was a wound. Well, what happened? Over the process of time, it became a scar that tells a story that can actually help my son. And actually, I can, I can be that cautionary tale saying, don't do that. You can get hurt with it. That's what we have to do with the wounds of our souls. 
We have to allow Jesus to turn wounds into scars that tell a story that give hope for others. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus. You know, he was beaten, as I said earlier. He was, uh, for a whole day and a half, he is beaten by Roman, uh, you know, soldiers. Goes through the crucible of crucifixion, which is a very torturous way to die. He has wounds all over him. His disciples fled. But after his resurrection, he shows back up to his disciples. And guess what? They weren't wounds anymore. Because in John, the apostle John shows this in John chapter, um, excuse me, John chapter 20. He says this. Thomas is like, I don't know, I don't know if you're really Jesus. You, man, the Jesus we saw, he was bad off. You, you look amazing, right? So I don't, know, I don't know if this is you or not. Then he said to Thomas, John 20, 27. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger in here and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. He saw Jesus' scars. They weren't wounds anymore. And friends, you and I have to go through the process of allowing Jesus to turn our wounds into scars so we can tell a story. And that's what happened to me. I went through the process of counseling. I allowed to get help from people and help from God. You know, it's very important. Some of say, all I need is God in my life. Well, you do. Yeah, you really need Jesus in your life, but you need people too. Because scriptures tell us if you confess your sins to God, guess what? You're forgiven. But James, the half-brother of Jesus, writes, if you confess your sins to each other, you shall be healed. This confession that cleanses the soul where you talk to somebody and you share the wounds you're going through, what you've been through. And when you do that, and not, not when you do it on social media and you just vomit and vent everywhere on social media. It's when you find trusted people and you share the pain you're going through, the imaginary conversations you've been having, God begins to heal you. You know, they, they call it, the, the word in the Old Testament is Jehovah Rapha. It means our healer. God is our healer. And that word rafe in the Hebrew comes from the idea of a doctor carefully stitching up a wound, going through in and out. And if you've ever had stitches, it can be painful, especially even after you get them and the, and the stuff wears off and it's not numb anymore. There's some pain there. But we've got to allow the Lord to do the deep work in our souls to heal us so they can become scars. The wounds become scars to give people hope. So what a church hope scars look like is this here. Number one, it's trusting people once again. I know, I know, I know. I know. It's hard. But Jesus is the model for that. Do you know what Jesus, after his resurrection, I don't know about you, but his disciples all fled. Like John's the only one there with Jesus' mama, right? Like, the rest of them are, are, are gone. They're scared to die. Where does Jesus go? I would have went and picked new disciples. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, yeah, you had your chance. You had one job and you failed. I cannot trust you again to do this. And they didn't ask him to trust them again. They didn't come back groveling and saying, Jesus, just one more chance, please. He goes to them. He goes to Peter and says, hey, look, I want you to lead my church. Feed, feed my sheep. Peter's like, ah, I don't know, you know, I love you, and I'm just not sure. Jesus went back to the very people who deserted him, and not only that, he then wants to empower his disciples to help the very people who crucified him. And I don't know about you either, 
But I would not have wanted that to be my mission is to help those who hurt me. But that's what Jesus did. He chose to trust people once again. See, when you get wounded in your soul and you're hurt, trust. You keep people at arm's distance. Maybe you used to be leaned into the local church. You believed in building his church. You believed in the kingdom of God. You believed in the message of Jesus. But because of hurt, you come and hang out now. You know, no, no, I'm not doing that building stuff anymore. I know what happens. I've seen the movie. I've got the t-shirt, literally. And now we've got the hats, too, if you want those. I'm not circling that mountain again. No, 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 no. You can keep it. You've got to trust people once again. What if I get hurt, Kevin? Anytime you engage in any form of relationship, there is a chance you can get hurt. But can I tell you something very important? Stop making people in your present pay for what somebody did to you in your past. There are people right now in your present that you don't trust because of what somebody else did to you 15 years ago. Don't make them pay for somebody else is idiocracy. Don't make that happen. Trust them once again. And you know you're healing. You know you've got scars instead of wounds when you can trust again. And then finally this morning, it's this here. It's trusting that your darkest moments would be used for your deepest ministry. It's trusting God that your darkest moments in your life would be used for your deepest ministry. How is the story of Jesus? Jesus' darkest moment had to be the cross. Had to be beaten as a criminal for something he didn't do. Hung to die and buried in a tomb of darkness. But we know that he resurrected on the third day. And that was his greatest ministry. Because now we have salvation through that. Friends, God wants to do the same thing uh, through you. Your darkest moments can be turned into your deepest ministry. How do I know that? Because I shared with you what I went through. I shared with you my wounds. But I flew into Atlanta this week, and I sit, sit down with five men who had the task of training and helping pastors across this nation, helping thousands of pastors, thousands of church leaders. As we're sitting around talking, they said, hey, man, we've just been talking, and like, we want you to lead the way with pastors with emotional health. Won't you talk about burnout? Won't you talk about counseling? Won't you talk about all these things that you've been through to help guys? Here's what we want you to do to be the expert in that area to help all these guys out. They didn't ask me to be the expert because I knew a lot about the subject. They wanted me to be the expert because I experienced some dark moments in my life that are now being used for some of my deepest ministry. And can I encourage you guys? That's what God wants to do in your life. I don't know the deepest hurt you faced. I don't know the, the toughest times that you faced. It does cause a wounding of the soul. It does hurt. But when you let Jesus, our healer, come in and begin to heal your soul, apply the balm of Gilead to that wounded soul, all that mess becomes stories. You know, that's what tattoos are. People ask me about tattoos all the time. Yeah, and the Bible says don't get a tattoo. Well, actually, it's not what it says. And um, it's very misquoted. Uh, people ask me all the time, like, you know, do you like tattoos? No, they hurt. If you don't have them, don't get them. They hurt. When you're young, I feel like you're invincible, right? When you're older, they hurt. I take ibuprofen. I pregame a lot of protein. Right? I, I seriously. But tattoos hurt. They, they, they cut into your skin. It bleeds. It's just, ah, ugh. I had to get all my stuff retouched and done up. I, was, I just wish I never got them, to be honest with you. 
hurts. But my son asked me about tattoos the other day. He says, well, well do they hurt? I said, yeah. I said, do you bleed? I said, yeah. He's like, oh, his blood. He's all out, which is good. Thank the Lord, right? It costs a lot of money. You got to get him touched up, all that stuff. But now he's at the point where he asked me, well, what does this mean? What, what, what's that? I said, son, that's an hourglass. He said, what's an hourglass? I said, oh, he turned it upside down, explained it to him. He said, well, what does that, what does that slam 9012 mean? I said, Psalm. <laughs> he's seven. I know he's a preacher's kid. He probably should know it, but he doesn't. He says, well, what is that? It's a Bible verse. I said, it says, Lord, teach us to number our days so we can live in wisdom. Well, why? I said, buddy, I said, we're not promised tomorrow. You got to enjoy every day and live for the Lord every day. Ah, why have you got a lemon tattooed on you, dad? See, these are all stories I'm telling my son about life. But there were wounds at first that hurt that now can help him understand things. God wants to use your darkest moments your wound, the bloodiness of your soul, it hurt for some of your deepest ministry if you'll just let Jesus in. Some of you have even kept Jesus out because people hurt you. Can I tell you, Jesus didn't hurt you. He wants to heal you. And don't keep him away because of what people did to you. This morning, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those watching online today because only the Lord can bring the healing that we need. Let's pray together this morning, guys. Father, Jehovah, Jehovah Rapha, our healer, begin to stitch, to slowly stitch and heal up the wounding of our souls that we have faced through years, God, of living in relationships with others. I don't know the pain that people have faced in this room. I don't know what they're going through. But Father, I pray that out of this message and out of this time today, Lord, out of those who will watch this, that they would make the decision to let you heal them, God to confess to a person, to talk to someone and get healing of the soul so you can use their hurt to become hope for others, Lord. You can use the wounds to become scars that tell a story. We ask for that healing today, God, that you would do it. And help us to trust people again, Lord. Help us to trust you that you will use the things that have been done to us, Lord to further your kingdom, Lord. For what the enemy meant for evil, we know that you will use for good. So today, God, we just open our hearts up to you. As we're here today, pray in church. And for those watching online, physically in here, maybe you walked away from Christianity. Maybe you walked away from your faith because of what someone did to you. And Jesus has been standing the whole time saying, I want to heal you. I never hurt you. And today, you know you want to come back to faith. You want to start building his church again. You want to feel that fire and that passion once again. You want to feel what you used to have with him once again. I'm not sure if that's you. If you've never given your life to Jesus, today is your day to allow Jesus to come into your heart. So right where you're sitting, I want you to pray this prayer after me. You say, God, I need Jesus I open my life up to Christ. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe he died on the cross. And I believe he rose again on the third day. Today, I turn from my old life. I leave it behind. I repent. And I receive brand new life. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. Now, Jesus, heal my heart and use my story to help others. In Christ's name we pray.